Thank you for downloading this episode of the Mac Report Podcast. This episode is brought to you by our subscribers over at themacreport.com. Their support allows us to bring you our coverage of Merrimack Athletics. If you are a subscriber, I thank you. And if you're interested in becoming a subscriber and gaining access to all of our coverage, head on over to themacreport.com today and sign up. If you don't want to subscribe but still want to support us, please rate and review our podcast over on Apple Podcasts. Once again, thank you to our subscribers for making our coverage possible. And now, on to this week's episode. One of the Merrimack men's hockey season is in the books. Merrimack dropping a pair of games out at Arizona State last weekend. Not the results that they wanted. I think that goes without saying. But there's there's a difference between results and performance. And while usually those two things are, are tied pretty closely together, and I think they are, there's ways to measure each of them. And look, at the end of the day, when we get to March and we're looking at the pairwise and whether or not this team gets into the tournament and whether or not this team is competing for a hockey's championship, the only thing that, that they're going to be measured on are the results. So the results are what matters. How many games have you won? How many games have you lost? That's ultimately what they're going to be measured on. And, and that's, that's it. That's all we can really look at. However, I think if, if you get too far into the weeds and go, well, they lost two games, you know, they're in trouble, I, I think that you're – I don't think that you're approaching it from the right angle because there's results and there's performance. And while those two factors are usually, you know, fairly aligned, they're different. And there's different metrics that we can use to measure each of those things. And usually speaking, I think, I don't think I know, because this is all data that's been proven out over time. If your performance is good, you will win more games than you lose. And you can get good results with poor performance. You can get bad results with good performance. And I would argue over the weekend that, look, their performance wasn't great, right? It's not like they left Arizona thinking they deserved a sweep. No. I think you can make the argument that they probably deserved a split based on how the play was over the course of those two games. The way that the scoring chances were, which is the biggest category that I look at now, because, again, not every shot's created equal, right? We can't just look at shots on goal. What, which shots created scoring opportunities? Look at scoring chances. And there's, thankfully now, people that actually analyze this stuff. And it's not – it's independent data. Independent evaluators uh, through uh, through Instat will look at scoring chances over the course of a game and say this is this is the team that had more scoring chances. And they break down the game through video. And you can go back and watch it. It's a subscription-based service. It's not cheap. It's very expensive. Uh, I've, I've been lucky enough to get some access to it and – uh, it's an unbelievable tool to go back and really analyze these games a lot more closely than just at live speed. I, we can have live takeaways, and I do that every game on the website. I put my takeaways down at the end of every game, and subscribers can read them. However, you know, at the same time, it, to really go back and understand, well, how well did they play or how poorly did a team play, 
you got to go back and, and watch the video, I think, and really have the time to hit pause and break it down and look at some of the, the deeper metrics. And uh, doing that over the weekend, I wrote about it on Tuesday. I think that Merrimack got poor results. They lost two games. They got poor results. But I think that their performance was okay. And I'm not discouraged. I, I don't think that they're in a position moving forward where you have to be worried about this team because if, as long as their performance stays to the level that it was over the weekend, they should be okay in the long run. Now, I will also say that it's not always the case that positive performance creates positive results, especially in college hockey because the season is so short. It's 34 games. It's it's not a very big sample size. So you can have teams that perform well all year and don't get enough positive results that they're out of the tournament. Uh, you know, you could have a team that, again, through Instat, you can look at expected goals based on where their shots are coming from and scoring opportunities. But through those expected goals, you can also get expected wins, which is a stat that I love to look at because it, it looks at, okay, well, how many scoring opportunities are you creating? How many scoring opportunities are you allowing? And what would your expected win percentage be based upon those scoring opportunities for and against? And Again, I think generally speaking, if you are a positive team as far as scoring chances go, you are going to win far more games than you lose. But it doesn't always work that way. There were two teams last year who I know Minnesota Duluth was under 500 and Providence was right about 500, whose expected win percentage were like four or five games higher than what they ended up with. Because... The season wasn't long enough for those things to even out. And what I mean by that is a team could have a 450 win percentage and a 650 expected win percentage. What does that mean? Well, if their win percentage is 450 and their expected win percentage based on their performance is 650, it means over a long enough period of time, their win percentage should increase and be closer to 650 than it is 450. Vice versa, if you have a... 700 win percentage early in the year and your expected win percentage is 400 over time your your win percentage should decrease because you're not playing very well you're winning games but not playing very well and again last year I thought that we saw that with Minnesota Duluth and we saw it with Providence both of those teams played pretty well they they deserve to have a better record than they did they didn't have a better record though because Especially in college hockey, this is not a perfect science. With 34 games, sometimes you put yourself in such a hole that you can't dig yourself out of it because you're not going to have an 82-game season to make up the points you may have lost early in the year. So it is important to win any game that's in front of you, especially in college hockey. It's a short season. But I think more often than not, when a team is playing well, even if they're not getting results, eventually they will. And vice versa, if a team is not playing well but getting results, eventually they won't. I look at UMass oh, going back, oh, geez, probably six, seven years ago now. John Micheletto was definitely still a coach. I know that. But there was a year where UMass was, I think, started 5-0 and or 5-1 and or 6-1 and or something. Uh, and, and I think it may have been Micheletto's last year. And everybody was very excited. You know, all the UMass fans were emailing me through work I've done at CHN, and they're all very excited about the prospect of their team. 
And I remember writing at the time and even, I think, recording a podcast at the time saying, hey, um, yep, they're 5-1 and one or whatever it is, but they're not playing well whatsoever. Like, we didn't have expected win percentage at that point in time, but you could look at their possession. I got the season right here. You could look at their possession numbers and be like, yeah, they're getting outshot, outchanced, uh, out, you know, their Corsi numbers were terrible in all those games. And I were, was telling people, Enjoy this for now because it's not going to last, and and a lot of people thought I was nuts. UMass fans, not not you know not a lot of people. UMass fans thought I was nuts. This was the 2015-16 season. They started the year with two wins over Colorado College, a win over Sacred Heart, a tie against New Hampshire, a win over Maine. Uh, they lost to Yale and BC, and then they beat swept UConn, threw in some ties in there too, and everybody was excited. UMass had finally turned the corner, and I said they're not playing well. They're they're winning games where they're not playing well. This is not sustainable. It's not going to last. They went eight twenty four and four, and John Michelotto got fired at the end of the year. So, that's what I mean. More often than not, when you're playing well, you're going to eventually get positive results. And if you're not playing well, you're going to eventually get negative results. It doesn't always happen that way. Providence and UMass, uh, Providence and Minnesota Duluth are examples of it last year. I would argue that Boston University. Uh, two years ago was a, was a product of this in the other direction. The COVID year, 2020-21. So it was a shortened season, obviously. But BU um, went 10-5-1. They made the NCAA tournament. And I remember I was making arguments because, remember, the committee was basically picking teams at that point. I was making an argument at that point in time that they didn't even belong in the NCAA tournament. I didn't think they were that good. They were 10-5-1, but they were getting outplayed in most of their games. They were getting heavily outplayed in some of those games. They had lost in the hockey's quarterfinals, and I remember making the argument that BU did not belong in the NCAA tournament that year. They were 10-5-1, yes, the results are what they are, but they weren't playing well. They were going to get killed. They lost 6-2 to St. Cloud State in the tournament. So, like, again, eventually these things will catch up with you. It's just a matter of is the, is the college hockey season long enough for those, for those numbers, for those data points to, to ring true and end up proving themselves. They will eventually. It's easier to do it over 82 games than it is 34. Uh, and, I, again, the, the, this is a roundabout way <laughs> of saying I think if Merrimack plays the way that it played this past weekend without its top forward, by the way, and without one of its top defensemen, and really without two of their top defensemen, because Ivan Zivlak left the Saturday game relatively early, they, they'll they be fine. They'll be fine. I, I know some people are worried, oh, they started 0-2, the sky is falling, they're overrated. Guys, it's two games. Like, if we're going to make any sort of major, uh, any sort of major declarations about this team after two games, like, we gotta we gotta take the tunnel vision off here. That's not how this works. What were people saying last year when they went into their losing streak there in January? It was oh they were overrated. Oh my goodness, uh, they're not as good as we thought they were. Well, they go like undefeated in the last seven or eight games, whatever it was, and ended up going to the hockey's title game and making the NCAA tournament. See what I mean? Like you can't live and die as much as it is a short season. You can't live and die with the result of every individual game. I think you got to take a step back, look at the bigger picture. How did they play? And 
is their perform does their performance suggest to you that they will win more in the future or lose more in the future? Are they getting better? Are they getting worse? And I, I thought again, especially at five on five, I thought Merrimack dominated the game, both of them at five on five. What really caught up to them over the weekend were penalties. They took way too many penalties. Can't take that. Can't give a team fourteen power plays in two games. Just can't do it. And the penalty kill, by the way, was fantastic for much of the weekend. What happens on the last two power plays of the weekend? Arizona State scores a game tying goal. They score the game winning goal. I think it. I think it was the last two. I think they were twelve for twelve at one point, and then gave up consecutive power play goals. One of them on a major. So what happens there? The guys that are playing on the penalty kill get tired. They play Merrimack plays a lot of guys on the penalty kill, but they don't play everybody on the penalty kill. So yeah, I think guys get tired. And law of averages, eventually they're going to score one. <laughs> and they scored two. So to me, the bigger story was not, oh my God, they lost two games, the sky is falling. The bigger story to me over the weekend was they took way too many penalties. And even if they play well moving forward at five on five, if they continue to give teams that many power plays, that many opportunities on the power play, they're going to be in trouble. So, you know, to me, that was the biggest concern. The biggest If, if there's one big concern coming out of the weekend, it's you got to stay out of the box. You can't give teams that many power plays, especially good ones, especially good offensive teams. And, that, I mean, that's a good Arizona State team. I said it going into the weekend. Between the transfers they brought in and some of the players that they returned, they were another team. If you really look at the data from last year, Arizona State underperformed. They're better than their than their record indicated a year ago. It's just sometimes these things don't bear themselves out because you got 34 games. Like I said, it's hard. It's not a long se- it's a long season in terms of time. It's not a long season in terms of games played. So, yes, at some point they need to get the results, right? Like I'm not saying that Merrimack, oh, they'll be fine, you know. I, what I'm saying is if they continue to play this way, I think the results are going to come. Just like I thought last year when they were struggling, if they continue to play, they were playing the way they were playing. Eventually, the results were going to come, and they did. And I'm not trying to be like, hey, you know, I, I'm right. You know, no, I could very well be wrong because there were teams last year like Duluth and Providence who it didn't. They didn't end up getting the positive results. All I'm saying is that I, I think eventually they will, especially if they keep up with the type of possession numbers and the type of scoring chance numbers that they had. Merrimack had more scoring chances over the weekend. Uh, 32 to 24 is what Instat had their, as the scoring chances at even strength for the weekend. Arizona State then added 11 more scoring chances on the power play. So, basically, a third of Arizona State's scoring chances in the two games were on the power play. A third. Part of that is because, they, and not even part of that, most of that is because they had so much time on the power play. Because, again, I thought, the, I thought the penalty kill did a decent job over the course of the weekend. Merrimack was killing for almost 20 minutes in the two games. Almost 20 minutes. 19-21 spent on the penalty kill in the two games. It's a lot. It's too many. Too many. Got to stay out of the box. That's, again... If I were gonna, if I were to have one concern, one negative takeaway coming out of the weekend, it would be way too many penalties. It's going to be hard for the success that they had at even strength 
to overcome 10 minutes a night in penalties or 10 minutes a night in penalty kill time. Just, it is. It is. Uh, individually, Frank Jervisevic, I thought, played fantastic. Uh, averaged 23 minutes on the weekend. Um, he played twenty, almost 25 minutes on Saturday after Ivan Zivlik went out of the game, which was most of the team. So he led the team in ice time on Saturday night as a freshman in his second game, which was pretty remarkable. I thought he played really well. Philip Forsmark, uh, we, you know, we didn't talk a lot about Forsmark in my takeaway columns last week. Uh, but when you look back at the video and you look back at the data, he created a lot of opportunities. Uh, he led the Warriors, actually, in individual scoring um, scoring chances created over the course of the weekend. Uh, he, he averaged almost two per 20 minutes of ice time, uh, which is which most of the team. So uh, he played well. Uh, Merrimack had a really good showing from the line of Mac Welsher, uh, Ty Deneau, and Mark Hillier. They outshot their Arizona State 9-1 when they were on the ice. Um, and then again, I thought both cold, both goaltenders played really well too. Uh, both Zachary Borgil and Hugo Wallace were good in shots saved from the paint or from inside the house. They were they were good overall. Both uh, I thought looked good, and I would imagine that they'll split the goaltenders again this weekend. Uh, two non-conference games here, both at Lawler, one against Clarkson, one against St. Lawrence. So that would be my assumption. No official word on that, but that would be my assumption. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I think there were other data points here, mainly the scoring chances, though, at 5-on-5, five five, that would tell me this team's going to be okay. And especially as they start to get some guys back. Like, they, getting Jeffries back is, is a big, big addition. A really big addition. Uh, and I know there's no timetable still on his return. Uh, he's not going to play this weekend, but... I think that there was some positive progress made this week, so they're hoping to have him back either next weekend or the weekend after. So it'll, it sounds like it'll be early enough in the season that they'll be able to get him back, which will be good, uh, because he's a guy that obviously can do a lot individually. Uh, and he played really well against Sacred Heart, playing center for the first time in a long time. I thought he looked really good in that game. Uh, so he's just he's a big addition, and then everybody else can kind of fall back into place. So I said this to somebody earlier today, and I would summarize it like this. A baseball player goes 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. Another baseball player goes 0 for 4 with four hard hit balls to the gaps and the outfielders happen to make plays. The results are the same. They both went 0 for 4. They both have a zero batting average. But you can't tell me that those 0 for 4 nights are equal. They're not. <laughs> 0 for 4 in, in striking out four times is not nearly as good as over four with four hard hit balls that the defense just happens to make plays on. And what I mean by that is you come away from that game going, geez, that guy's in trouble. He struck out four times. That guy smashed the ball to the gap four times. The defense just made a play. You know, the next night he might go three for three if he keeps hitting the ball like that. He looked good. Mer- and I, and the, what, I, what I will leave you with is this. Merrimack, 0-2. RPI, 0-2. Both teams lost both their games last weekend. Merrimack outchanced their opponents. It was, you know, with the power play numbers in there, it was fairly even. But at even strength, they they had the edge and scoring chances 32-24. to 24. Maine beat RPI twice. The scoring chances in those two games combined? 53-19. to 19. 
for Maine. Both teams are 0-2. I wouldn't feel the same way about both teams, though. <laughs> and, and I think it, that, that little data point alone illustrates what I'm talking about. Not every 0-2 start is created equal. But all right, we got a lot to talk to, a lot to talk about with Merrimack head coach Scott Borg this week. So let's get right to it, and I'll be back to wrap it up in a little bit. But first, let's get to the head coach of the Warriors, Scott Borg. All right, here with head coach of the Merrimack Warriors, Scott Borg, and coach. Uh, before we get into Clarkson and St. Lawrence coming up this weekend, you've had some time to look back on the Arizona State series. Uh, what were some of your takeaways of those two games? Because I mean, obviously. I was saying to somebody earlier today, actually, there's a difference between results and performance. And while ultimately you're only judged by your results, like at the end of the day, I think especially at this point in the season where it's so early, you can look at performance and say, hey, I still think there were some positive things that we did and I feel good about the way we played. Uh, it, my take was that you guys played pretty well, didn't get the results you wanted, but especially a five-on-five played pretty well. Uh, did you see the same thing or did you see something different? No, I felt very similar. I thought that five-on-five, we completely carried the play both nights, maybe more so more dramatically than the first night. Um, They had some more pushback on Saturday. Um, But, you know, you can't put yourself in a situation uh, penalty-wise. And, you know, obviously, you know, we talked earlier that I was frustrated with what I thought were some marginal-type situations that we got called on us. And, you know, particularly the first night when we are up and shots 20 to eight and really had the puck to get the next five penalties against us was, I just didn't understand that, you know? And, and so, um, but at the same time, we knew going in, you're in, you're in the West, you're, you're playing, you know, you're not only playing against the team you're playing against, you got to be prepared that you might get one or two calls that you question, but it doesn't make any sense to question. You got to play through. Uh, we did that on Friday. We weren't able to do that on Saturday. Um, uh, and on power play. And I think, um, you know, both areas, discipline, we grew, but not enough. I just had to very well Friday to Saturday. Um, so I certainly feel really good about the way our guys approach the games out there. We played, you know, heavy and hard and physical. And uh, I thought that was something that was even stronger than the identity yeah what did you think of the way the freshmen played too because i mean you were able to integrate a lot of them uh i know from looking i mean jervis Evick played a ton in, in all situations i think even on the power play and on the penalty kill and uh, had a couple of other guys that worked their way into the power play i think at times i think the played some had some power play time so uh, what were your impressions because i think not all of them but most of them played uh what really were your impressions good. of them I thought that our freshmen, uh, I, I actually really liked this freshman class. I thought that all of the freshman forwards uh, made good contributions when they played. You know, they um, defended well. They were smart without the puck. Uh, they showed an ability to get it back and to move it. Uh, I was really uh, encouraged by the way our freshman forwards played. And, you know, Frankie obviously played a ton um, the best thing that's happened for Frankie is obviously we got a couple guys out that are critical pieces of our back end, and he's being forced into situations, but he's also handling those situations really, really well, uh, and that's awesome. Uh, Max Watkill, who was the only freshman who didn't get an opportunity, uh, he will this weekend, um, and I, I've been excited about his play this week. So 
No, I, I, I think our freshman class is going to be big contributors over the next four years and help us uh, take another step. Talked a little bit about the health. Obviously, that was a, an issue going into last weekend with a few guys. How does that look going into this weekend? Any of those guys coming back? And is anybody else, uh, hopefully not, but is anybody else on the shelf for, for this weekend? Uh, Brownie and Ziflak, uh, both out in the back end. Ziff is out for um, probably four to six weeks. But Brownie is much more long-term. Um, we're not going to be talking about him coming back for quite a while. But eventually he comes back, and we've given all this experience to other guys, and all of a sudden we're a better hockey team, uh, not just because of the infusion of the talent, but just because of the experience the guys, other guys have had. And Ivan's a critical part of our defense. I would say that's two of our top four D coming into the season. Um, and he's you know, a shutdown guy. We're going to really miss him this weekend because of how physical these two teams are. Um, but it's the same thing, you know, that's going to force guys in and that's going to give them a chance to grow their game and make us a better team. So those are the two defensemen. And then, uh, you know, Jeff is still out. Uh, Alex Jeffries will be out this weekend for sure. Um, you know, making progress, hasn't been able to skate yet, but certainly making progress. Uh, and then we have uh, Chase Stevenson, who's uh, probably, uh, I would say, questionable. You know, for tomorrow, knowing him, it's probable, but... You know, sometimes as a coach, you got to keep guys. You got to protect guys from themselves, and you know he's one of those guys who's going to play with a leg hanging off. So we just got to make sure it's the right thing for him and for our team and uh, and our team going forward. But those would be the four major guys who are not available. Uh, Chase might be available. We'll see, but uh, the other three will not be available. It was was Zivilla hurt in that Saturday game because I did. I didn't even notice it watching it Saturday night. I I noticed it when I watched it back that uh, that it. it it's at one point, I think maybe in the second period, maybe the first period, there was a point there where he, I noticed that he wasn't on the ice, noticed that he hadn't come back, and then went back and, and checked even more. I was like, yeah, he, he left the game there at some point. Uh, obviously, something must have happened over the course of, of Saturday night. Yeah, he got he did take the hit on Saturday, um, and he tried to play through it, which he played two shifts. I think on the video, if you look, you can actually see him grabbing um, his midsection and uh, you know clearly there's something wrong and you know, he's a very physical player so him not being able to be physical is not going to make him successful so um, you know they they found something and you know that's going to keep him out for a while it's going to take a while to heal but you know he, he's a he's a, one of those young men same with Brownie and Jeff like he'll stay in great shape he'll be ready to go the second they give him the green light um, and as I said the way I try to focus on injuries is the opportunities they've gotten because of that and then the results of those opportunities later in the season could be really strong for us. Uh, specifically looking at the penalty kill, obviously, you know, you gave up the two goals there late on Saturday, but up until that point, I thought the penalty kill was excellent the entire weekend. And, and I wonder, too, how much of that, uh, the two goals that they scored in the third period on Saturday, how much of that was may have just been fatigue from being on the kill for such a long period of time. I think the third period, uh, well, yeah, it was the, the game-tying goal, I think, was scored during the major. So you had a lot of guys out there for a while. And I know you guys roll most of your players through in the penalty kill. It's not like there's just two units. But uh, despite the, the two goals on Saturday, I thought that unit looked pretty good for almost the entire weekend. No, I, I agree uh, totally. I think that they – um, I think maybe a little bit of fatigue, you know, a five-minute power play. That's a good hockey team we played, really good offensive team. They have an excellent power play. Uh, that's why they hunt them so much, right? You know, if they're not in a game, they, they hunt power plays. And so I, I thought that, um, 
we did a really good job in the five-minute major until they scored. And then after that, we did a good job as well. Uh, Clarkson and St. Lawrence both coming up this weekend. I mean, kind of feels like to me when I watch them that they're somewhat similar in the way that they play. And uh, what what have you noticed about both these teams seeing them on video? What do you expect this weekend? Clarkson definitely has a, you know, almost kind of built in that Cornell mold of being, you know, big and physical. Uh, but St. Lawrence is is kind of the same thing. And and they, I know they've got a lot of seniors in their team or a lot of a lot of returners on their team. Uh, what have you seen on video from both these teams this weekend? Well, Clarkson's a big, heavy team. It'll be a much different weekend than we had last weekend. Uh, they have skill, but they don't rely on it. Uh, they play hard, physical. They're a heavy four-check team. Uh, with the puck, they love to stretch the ice. Um, so it, they, they'll present a few different challenges. Number one, for our breakout. Uh, and number two, for our a really good offensive team. They get over the puck. Um, I think that they, they were real strong. Like, they lost. Uh, what arguably was their best player transferred to Northeastern uh, last year. But I think now they've got a, a group that is all playing the game the same way, and it's the way that Casey uh, wants them to play. And I think the Cornell comparison is excellent because that's exactly what it is. And we got to try to make it a 200-foot game. They want to make it a 60-foot game, and hopefully we can do that. But I was really impressed with their team. And uh, the goalie really didn't get tested in the video that we watched. Um you know, he made some saves, but didn't have to get really heavily tested. So we'll see. I don't know him, so we'll see how that goes. But um, and St. Lawrence, to me, is is built. You know, it's, you know Brent Brecky and and Casey work together, so it's not any surprise that their teams are built similarly. Uh, the difference is, I think St. Lawrence uh, has a little bit more pace to play a a 200 foot game than Clarkson does. Um, Clarkson will try to get that pace that that stretch the ice with just by taking ice, whereas um, San Lawrence will try to attack you with speed coming over the lines, and uh, that will be a different challenge. But two good hockey teams. It's great to put you playing them this time of year. I uh, will certainly grow from the experience, and hopefully we can find success as well. Uh, that game being on Sunday against St. Lawrence is that because you guys wanted to try to work an off day in there where I don't, I think you're their only game this weekend for St. Lawrence. So was that the idea to try to get an off day? So you weren't, you weren't back to back going up against a team that was, you know, sort of fresh from not having played the night before. Exactly. We were fortunate. We did that because, um, you know, both Clarks and St. Lawrence have one game weekends and we have a two game weekend. I think it's a, it's obviously an advantage to the team you play second uh, because you, you might be able to wind it or banged up or whatever. Um, but even to the team you play first, you know, they could go into a situation where they're playing, you know, three lines and four defensemen in a one-game weekend where, you know, you who on our bench, when you're playing two games in the weekend, if they were back-to-back, you'd be playing the whole, you know, the whole bench. And that's hard. It's harder to shorten the bench when you have a game the next day. So, um, yeah, getting the day off in between, playing a Sunday game. Fortunately, the Patriots have cooperated. They won't really be a problem as far as people <laughs> – choosing to stay home to watch them yeah probably not <laughs> um, no and and you know hopefully you know hopefully it's a time that some people who don't get to see us play you know some of the young kids that don't go to the seven o'clock games they can be at a four o'clock game and you know introduce our program to them as well so um it's going to be a good weekend i'm excited for our team you know again with with uh, certain guys being out it gives other guys roles that they may not be getting this early and I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm not nervous. I'm more curious. 
All right, Coach. Well, thanks for the time as always, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Good luck this weekend. Thanks, Mike. I really appreciate it. All right, we want to thank Scott Borg for taking the time as always. Uh, Merrimack and Clarkson are going to start the weekend 7 p.m. Friday night at Lawler Arena. Uh, and then the weekend will conclude with a 4 p.m. game on Sunday against St. Lawrence. Saturday is an off day for the Warriors. St. Lawrence and Clarkson both only playing one game this weekend. So uh, Merrimack able to schedule the off day in between. So they're not playing St. Lawrence uh, on the second day of a back-to-back when St. Lawrence had the night off the night before. So that's why it's a Friday-Sunday series again. Friday night, 7 p.m. is the home opener against Clarkson. Sunday afternoon, 4 o'clock is the second game of the weekend against St. Lawrence, both at Lawler Arena. Thanks, everybody, for listening. To our subscribers over at the Mac Report, thanks for subscribing to our site uh, and helping provide the coverage that we do here. Uh, Your support allows us to provide the coverage of Merrimack men's hockey and Merrimack men's basketball, so thank you for subscribing. If you want to subscribe, you can check out the website at themacreport.com. I'm going to have game stories up over the weekend and, of course, all of my post-game takeaway columns will be up there as well pre-game lineups all the coverage for both games this weekend will be over at the macreport.com so thanks everybody once again for listening we'll talk to you next week